0: all my life I've grown up hearing Luke why are you so sensitive Luke why are you so emotional um, and I think it's the same way like I'm, I'm a very passionate person like I don't cry that often I don't remember crying and that's why I always get mad when people are like men can cry well I'm, I'm an emotional sensitive guy without crying that often mm. um, I cry more at Leafs games game sevens than i do anything else and i actually told kyle dubas that i like i met kyle dubas at an event and i and uh i told him that the last two times i cried were game sevens versus boston and he looked at me and he said you're an emotional one aren't you that's like my claim to fame with the toronto maple leafs is that he that kyle dubas directly called me emotional uh i thought that was fantastic he
1: knew me yeah i'm
0: like yes kyle i very much am when it comes to the toronto maple leafs stop losing in game sevens to boston okay <laughs> yeah. thanks it's been three times in the last five years Welcome to the Imperfect Podcast, where we discuss masculinity more intentionally and purposely. On this episode, my friend Scott, 30. and I go deeper into our conversations about uh, how divorce affected him, um, some of the aspects of relationships, being codependent, um, how open and honest communication really affects a, a conversation or a relationship for the better. His relationship with his mom and dad with the divorce. Uh, how being labeled as emotional and sensitive shaped him and his friend group growing up and how he's kind of grown in his relationships with all those individuals. Um, It's a really good episode. I really hope that you enjoy it uh, as we dig deeper into each other and really have some open, honest conversation. Uh, You can listen to this podcast anywhere on Spotify, iTunes, Google play uh, and other places that it's available. Please Please leave a review on iTunes. Um, if you want to, and leave any feedback, give us any topic ideas. Message me on Instagram at the Imperfect Pod. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode, and I'll see you all next week. Scott, thank you for being here. So, typically how this works is we just kind of record. I, we do two, five minutes of just chatting. Like I think what I like to do is I work, I have it on. Like, I let people test it. We talk a bit about that. It allows people to, like, naturally flow into more conversation. Mm-hmm. And then I save my introduction for the end. But uh, anyways, um, yeah, man, thanks for being here. Thanks for coming out. Um, we're recording pleasure, this in Scott's house right now. Um, and I'm really excited to talk to you about this. You're one of the first people I, I think I shared the idea with. You, you're the one that connected me with Nick. Um, so... I know we, when we originally were talking about this, there was, you know, you were super eager to, to see what I did, and then, um, like, you reached out to me, I guess, not too long ago, but wanting wanted to be on it now, now that it's a bit more, um, now that you, I guess you saw that I was a bit more committed to it, um, so I'm excited for you to be here, and I'm excited to get into some of the things that uh, you want to talk about.
1: Well, I'm excited to have a conversation that's going to be recorded with you, Luke, and Yeah, we've had several good ones off the air, so... Yeah finally nice to do a little podcast with you and yeah like you said it's something that you brought up initially uh, offering me to come on the show and i think that these conversations should be had mm-hmm. so it's an important idea that you kind of brought to the surface and i think now that you've been yeah. going along that journey with various different gentlemen mm-hmm. nick being one of them and a great person for those yeah. talks yeah. um yeah just a, more than a pleasure to like be on the show and kind of talk through masculinity and yeah, what it means to be one of us.
0: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, like sometimes I've I've had the conversations with people about um, like from some some girls being like, oh, why are only masculinity? Why are you talking about just that? I'm like, I just think, I guess if you if you, if I just say it comes I, I, if I just say I'm talking about masculinity, sometimes I guess that can be be very um partisan and like it sounds like oh you're just talking about like toxic like I guess when people hear the word masculinity they still think of a lot of toxic stuff yeah. but what I'm trying to do is make it not like that, try to make it a platform for a lot of the guys that I know in my life who aren't like that and be like we. I want to shine a light on, on the good in men but also confront some of the bad stuff that I know I've done um, and uh, that we as a collective can do better at so I'm super excited to have you here um, we've known each other for almost three years now. Yeah, two-something years or so. Yeah, I remember – through LinkedIn. Through LinkedIn. Yeah. I just saw one of your posts. I was like, this guy seems cool. Called you. Um, Did you call me straight away? I th- we, we set up a call. Oh, yeah. Pre- yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Call. yeah, yeah, We set up a call. Yeah, we yeah. set up a call.
1: That's what the good ones. Do yeah.
0: Mean. I think we talked for like an hour and a half. Yeah. It was um, a long conversation. Long conversation. And I think – You've moved, you've progressed a lot since then, but why don't you just tell the world, I guess, what you're doing right now. Yeah, sure. Uh,
1: I live in Toronto, like Luke mentioned. We're here in my little one bedroom abode that faces uh, a not so visual courtyard uh, in this (laughs) building. But um, yeah, we moved here, or I moved here the start of February of 2019, so it's been a little under a year now. Mm -hmm. And that was as a result of TrueFan. TreeFan is a startup that I helped found about
0: just two years ago. I think just, I saw yeah, it two Yeah, about innovation. two years ago.
1: It's like we're coming up on the day right now. So um, when this comes out, a little more than two years ago. But, yeah, it was a company that I helped found. I'm now the Chief Growth Officer there. Uh, I work with the two other co-founders, Swish, Onik, and the rest of our team, Cam, Jay, Trevor. Uh, the list can kind of go on and on. But, um, yeah, we're slowly growing that business right now. Uh, it's essentially a social intelligence platform that is equipping brands with the data they need to activate grassroots communities of micro-influencers, super fans, and overall just the people in their audience who are already primed to mm-hmm. share their message. Uh, and then through that, we recently acquired a secondary platform called Social Rank. So that's kind of been you know, very quickly uh, elevating the normal workflow that I have, mm-hmm. but uh, it's been kind of a nice series of challenges and learning lessons to go through. Um, that really helps shape you as a professional. It's, it's kind of a neat, you know, thing that not everybody gets to go through, I think. So mm-hmm. getting to learn a lot from that. And then besides that, I do a little bit of like marketing, consulting, um, a bit of advisory work for another AI startup that's uh, doing predictive predictive analysis for yeah. sports. Um, so that thing's pretty cool. That's kind of more of a little like don't spend much time on it, like kind of four hours a month, so mm-hmm. to speak, uh, but definitely a little passion project to keep on the back burners. Yeah, It's kind of important almost to like have those other things that will keep you occupied because otherwise like 90% of my time just gets spent on true fan. And you realize over time that that's probably not the healthiest way or most sustainable way to do it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Like even with my work, I was like, I don't want to just work. I want to have things I'm looking forward to outside of work and this is definitely one of those things that excites me a lot about building it and growing it and it's a lot more work than i originally signed up for in terms of like <laughs> i <can tell> <laughs> like when it comes to editing it becomes maybe five or six hours of editing then an hour and a half of recording and then like all the prep work that goes into it too and finding those leads normally it's just like people i know that i'm building it off of yeah that's a um, great
1: part is like you can typically get that like word of mouth effect through podcasts is yeah. like once you have one guest on, like or even before you have them on potentially, if you have a strong network, like they just kind of open up their network to you yeah. because it's great to provide people with value. Yeah, you know, and way. I haven't
0: leveraged that network enough. I don't think like I, I, I think you're you're the person you're the only person that has given me someone else. But like I haven't asked other people for other people. But I kind of wish I did that more because. A lot of these guys that I'm talking to are volunteering within their community with with men's groups or oh, cool. um like just the one that's going to come out tomorrow with with Pablo he, he does like a lot of volunteer work, um and I know a lot of these guys do have wider connections than what I have and I should start like asking them and like seeing if if there's something there some some male in their life that they think I should reach out to it especially since I want to get to older men too like what who's a mentor in your life
1: true
0: um. Because I'm right now, I'm only talking to guys between like the ages of 21 and 30, and like I should start expanding to maybe 50, 60, 70 year olds that have that more traditional masculinity that we're trying to uncover right now. You're seeing it in the NHL uh, if you're paying attention to that. Oh yeah, um, Don Cherry, a lot of things. Don Cherry, Mike Babcock, oh, yeah. Bill Peters, yeah. like yeah. a lot of these people. Um, like there's there's going to be a reckoning in in the NHL, which is like nice. I think it's it's uh well deserved well timed um but i definitely and and a note on
1: that luke like you you you're like i wish i'd be doing more but like you're actively building this thing like you started from scratch (laughs) you're doing it all yourself i totally get how much work a podcast can be i'm actually like about to launch one for like it's a company one that i've been recording now for a little while and it's just been such a like weirdly daunting task i even like pushed it off and started pre-recording the episodes just so it wouldn't become that kind of thing where it's like added stress because you feel like you're behind on the episodes or something like that yeah um and knowing that it's really not like a core priority but like i'm not even doing the editing and like that being taken care of is such a nice thing Mm -hmm. but the like assets and like doing the intros all the other little pieces that kind of come into it plus like You know, just trying to make sure that you're doing it as quality as you can be. Like, there's just kind of so much that goes into it. But, like, kudos to you because you started it. You're also having conversations that are not always the easiest, especially Mm -hmm. on record to be having, I think. Yeah. And so you're pushing other people outside of their comfort zone while you're doing it for yourself, Mm -hmm. building a new skill. And then to top that off, every person who's listening to this podcast is getting the perspective that they pretty much wouldn't get anywhere else. Yeah. Safe to say. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think... So kudos to you. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of the guys have offered different insights, which is what I'm trying to go through. Like I try to do those, like I started to do prep calls recently um, to figure out how I can make it more customized to you. Um, It's kind of like what I do in work is I draft a, like when I try to recruit speakers, I draft something for them.
1: Like Mm -hmm. that they Mm -hmm. would best be personalized, Yeah, Yeah, personalized.
0: And like I want to be able to pull stories out of you that um, like make that person feel the most comfortable and like... I think that's really helped my last episode. Really focus it down. Really niche it down. Mm-hmm. Um, make it more um, straight and narrow, I guess. Um, so I'm excited to do that with you too. Um, we, you kind of gave a little bit of intro about what you're doing now, but I know from our original calls because it was before True Fan that it wasn't always like that. Um, and I, I remember from our phone call how was, there was a period of, of kind of lostness. Like you weren't really sure what your route is, what your route was. Um, but now I look at you and you're like, I'm very impressed with where you've come from. Like I, re- I remember our first phone call, you were still in Ottawa, I believe. Yeah. yeah um, good call. since then you've, you've moved to Vancouver for a bit. Now you're back in Toronto. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's been a whole journey behind that. And I really want to kind of dig deeper into what did it feel like to be lost? Um, and where do you think you are now? Cause I, I like, um, yeah, like where you just, where have you come from?
1: yeah um, the, the kind of term of being lost I think is like it's a pretty open bucket you know what I mean that mm-hmm. can be applied to like various situations and I was definitely you know maybe like found in some sense it wasn't like I wasn't doing anything Yeah. but I think I was going through the motions without really taking a look at myself and the types of things that I was either putting myself through or the types of situations I was causing um, I have this friend Adam and he described this certain like, phase of his life uh, shortly after his like, mother had passed away where he was you know, really doing some deep thinking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And this realization that he had was essentially that he wasn't aware of the decisions that he was actually making. And I think that is kind of like a good way to put it. And it's also for me, I was like, I wasn't aware at the situation it was forcing me into or would force me into at a certain stage based off of the decisions that I was making like I really wasn't thinking ahead and where I wanted to be potentially which is not not a good way to go Mm -hmm. um something I've been trained for a long time just like different jobs and that is kind of setting goals so Mm -hmm. having those things to look forward to and knowing that like if getting off of track but um how did it feel to feel lost like at a certain point it kind of felt a little bit low but thankfully I was you know lost at a time when I was in Ottawa, surrounded by like great family, friends, mm-hmm. people that I've kind of grown up with my entire life. I think what really led me to like feeling lost and kind of like slowly getting more and more lost or like mm-hmm. getting to that point where I actually could look in the mirror and think to myself like, how is it that you gone gotten here? And not being able to kind of add up all the little things that I had done, which may have resulted in some skills or different things like that, it just felt like all of it was kind of for nothing Mm -hmm. at a certain point, so when I realized that um, I kind of looked back over the course of the last few years and I'd finished my degree in Australia where I was going to school uh, prior to kind of entering the workforce Mm and more like a career capacity and I was was in love with traveling, I enjoyed seeing the world Uh, I think the fact that the world felt smaller to me after living there for a year and a half and doing my degree was something that I really wanted to take advantage of coming out of school. And so initially when I came home to Ottawa, um, that was actually as a result of my nanny, uh, who's one of my grandmothers, Mm -hmm. uh, has passed since, but she was really sick in the hospital. Um, In terms of my family, like both my nanny or my grandmothers on both sides Mm -hmm. played like a key role in kind of my upbringing and I think really just me growing up into the person that I am today. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really have grandfathers on either side. So like knowing that maybe I wanted to stay in Australia for a period of time, but also that that was going on for my nanny. It felt like something that I owed her was to kind of be back. And it wasn't like I'd be there day to day, giving her that kind of comfort, Mm -hmm. but at least be able to kind of visit when I could being in Ottawa. It's not a short drive to Montreal. So after coming back and then um, moving home for like a month, I went to try and do interviews for a month in San Francisco got a couple offers um, Was gonna do this TN status, which is basically free trade agreement Mm -hmm. so once you have a job offer if you have like the degree and whatever else experience to back it You just cross the border and they tell you right then and there if you could work in the states for three years Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the play. I got a couple offers, but they're commission-based jobs for the most part Mm -hmm. to start and I had chosen San Fran out of like the few cities I'd just been applying to loads of jobs in and that was just the most expensive city in North America so it just didn't seem like a very good idea at the time to move there broke on a commission based job and probably wasn't going to get the TN status either way to be honest Um, and then from that point onward it was just like jumping around a lot of different jobs that I was certainly not uh, passionate about and I think it was really when I started to feel the negative effects of kind of putting myself through that grind over and over and over again, whether it was a, a grind quote unquote, or just like what felt more like a grind over the course of time. Cause I'd maxed out like enjoyment, mm-hmm. the opportunity, whatever it may be. That's when I really felt lost. And I was like, w- what do I have to do to just get myself out of this? Because I'm not traveling. I'm not doing the things that I kind of really enjoyed a mm-hmm. couple of years prior at that point. Um, and I'm not doing what's exciting for my career or what I would really like to do so like something's got to change here yeah and yeah, yeah it was just kind of depleting you know like had I made all the wrong decisions was that like all a waste of time like those mm-hmm. are kind of the questions that slide to flow through your head and not to even say like I was depressed in any means but yeah it was definitely like kind of looking up at the ceiling and really trying to think introspectively of, like what's next like what do I want what does Scott need
0: yeah and so I know we've touched on that kind of um, what do you need we talked a little bit about selfishness as a skill um, on Mm. the phone last night and how that came about from kind of your experience with your parents divorce Um, so kind of like what was your before we get there I guess how did your um, how did that relationship how did that family you talked about you know coming back from your nanny Um, and being there for her so obviously you're a family man but there's also been experiences in your life where um, you've experienced uh, I guess hardship in your family as an individual growing up you said and so kind of what was that what was that like for you in your development stage
1: yeah for me it was kind of tough I think I always saw our family as like a very tight-knit group and so I was a little bit blindsided, like, when my parents did divorce. Uh, It was kind of something I'd been asking questions about, you know, as a teen and kind of being aware enough to realize that maybe things weren't super um, or going super well at home. (laughs) Um, But, like, I didn't have any reason to believe that they were going to divorce. So, like, when it happened, I kind of, like, first reaction was, like, mid-teens, you know, teenage boy. It's kind of revolting now against, like, well, if you're going to kind of blindside me with this decision, like, watch what I can blindside you with, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm going to really put you up to one, but um, you, you kind of know that's, like, not, not the right way to treat the situation. Um, but at that time, when, you know, when it first happened, I guess one of the things I didn't even share with you is, like, I had a very hard time trusting my mom and my dad, I think, for a little bit, mm. and that was largely because it was, like, I was inquisitive. I was asking questions about, like, hey like should I have reason to think that this or this might happen or this could be a scenario and then that's like one day you sit down on a couch your sister's right there they've kind of called you into the room a little bit like ceremonially and it was like that's it like that's what's going to happen um and so yeah it was it was really just like hard to kind of have that trust factor for people that you know played as important a role in my life as anybody to that point um and then as time went on uh You know, certainly like my mom did everything she could to kind of just keep us in that community of friends and uh, that circle of different people who I'd grown up around and really became comfortable with. That was really, you know, looking back on it, critical for me because I did lean a lot on my friends during that course of time. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, that was kind of where my trust factor existed uh, because I felt like I could talk to them about anything. And it took me a long time to kind of get to that point now with my parents where it's like, and I think that like, goes for almost every kid, regardless of divorce and things like that. Like, you don't always feel like you can really share total open honesty with your parents. Mm-hmm. I think some of our friends maybe over the course of the time that you grow up with, like, have that parent. And yeah. it's like, it's almost like super envious in a yeah, bit. Yeah. It's like, oh, that, that, like, rock star parent. Like, <laughs> call, everyone's calling them their uncles and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, leading to the point of selfishness and thinking about that a little bit more as, like, a skill. Uh, as I... You know, as I went on and finished high school, and you know, kind of got over my sourness stage a little bit. um, Obviously, there was times where I apologized to my moms, and then there's probably still times that I reacted negatively or or did things that I shouldn't over a little bit immature at the time. Um, But I realized over the course of time that, like, hey, you know, they were doing what's best for them at the end of the day, and that in turn creates a situation that's probably best for our family because if they're not doing what's best for themselves slowly that'll kind of rub off on you know negative feelings being shared towards kids and whoever else you're surrounded by <laughs> um so recognizing that and then also kind of thinking about that and applying it to myself it, it really got me thinking about like again really like what i what do i want to do like what does scott's look life look like you know two five years from now because of course growing up your parents kind of have some not like guidelines for some, you know some are more strict than others I, I, I really can't speak to like super strict parents i feel like i was some autonomy as a as a kid Mm -hmm. and as a teen but um they want certain things for you my mom was kind of classic in terms of always talking about doctor dentist this and that my dad is a little bit more like kind of fickle businessman um, saw things in a certain light and uh both great people wanted great things for me but like what did i want Mm -hmm. and so like kind of breaking into that mold and i started to think deeper about that um as i went through college and even as i finished um taking some time off and not really jumping too deep into my career and like you know, marketing or any sort of professional field I just kept serving kept thinking about like what do I want to do and really just saw travel as some of the things that I really enjoyed as a kid that I was fortunate enough to do growing up um and that I really wanted to do more of into the future so if I could kind of c- couple that with my degree and going back to school to just finish that off and mm-hmm. cover my back um yeah, that, that just seemed like such a good idea. And so that, that was probably the first really selfish leap I took, so yeah. to speak, was like just deciding that like, hey, this is what I want to do with my time, my money. Um, and it's not going to be easy on my friends or my family, but in like two weeks when I'm gone, they're not going to notice. Yeah. You know, and that is kind of truly the case.
0: Yeah. No, I, I definitely I agree with that. When, when um, going back to your parents' divorce, when they, who did you live with? You lived with your mom or your dad? Mostly my mom. And did you, you still talked with your dad, I guess? Yeah, yeah. totally,
1: for a bit. Um, It was never really, like, that hard line in the middle of the two of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he was, you know, we were still in the same house for the first little while. Uh, It was probably a little less than a year before, like, my mom moved to a new place and my dad ended up finding a new place. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, mostly my mom. Because she she stuck around, like, Orleans. And let's say my dad, like, moved off to, you know, like, Zimbabwe or a new country or something like that. He just kind of moved out to a different part of the suburbs around yeah. Ottawa and so didn't really have the commute to school and those types of things and naturally just like, yeah, it made sense to live in Ottawa.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so uh, in, in that presence, I guess, did you feel like you were um, kind of missing out on aspects of becoming a man, not having your dad around every day, or was that something mm-hmm. that... Um, that, that hasn't really that didn't really matter to you or I, or I guess like didn't really have as much impact as sometimes we make it seem
1: that's a great question luke um kind of the first time i think i've ever asked myself something like that uh i don't think i was necessarily thinking about how i was missing out on being a man i was so probably concerned at that time uh, as i was like a little you know approaching my late teens ultimately like kind of those graduating years in high school mm-hmm. like 11 12 and i was pretty focused on just being a crazy um high school like teen yeah. <laughs> ultimately like you know football player like trying to start drinking on weekends with uh, friends and doing those kind of rebellious things and you know the stuff that's like a little against the rules at mm-hmm. the house so um, I guess at the time I probably looked at that as like as was helping me become a man and you know I really wasn't thinking about like how my dad's absence was potentially affecting certain aspects of my growth and yeah. my personality and things um but I think maybe looking back on it, I, I could have seen that a little bit. And, uh, you know, even just thinking back further, probably something we're going to talk about, as I know I mentioned it to you, is like, but my friends always kind of talked about me as being emotional. Yeah. Something we have in common, I, think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I And I think that that was probably, you know, just the way I was raised, because it's really no discredit to my dad. He did so much that helped give me the upbringing that I did and kind of enable us in so many ways as a family but my mom was the stay-at-home like they made that decision pretty uh, early after they moved to Ottawa from Montreal when I was three Mm -hmm. Um, she had been working full-time she decided to stay back at home uh, and kind of take that on and so that's who I grew up with and she was like a tremendous you know part of my life from like after school running home and getting that like cinnamon toast or you know it's like after school snack with friends mm-hmm. to serious talks and like always grounding me if I did something bad so yeah uh, she was probably the one that raised me a little bit more than anything else I would say um And you know, I was I was fortunate to kind of spend those moments with my dad, whether it be through sports um, and those kind of more prototypical, I guess, areas.
0: Yeah, no, I I definitely understand that. Like, I actually come from a home that was raised with both parents in the house. Like, not I don't mean both parents in the house. I mean, like, they stayed married. I mean, like, both parents. No, like, um, my dad worked from home. My mom didn't work. Okay. So, like, I was homeschooled till grade nine.
1: Um,
0: What? I don't even know if I need that one. I don't know. Maybe not. People at work just found out. Like. A week or two ago and they're fascinated by it they're like how are, how are you like this and still like homeschooled like there's i, I don't know Actually, if, if you know me you know i'm pretty like weird and like sociable i guess which is not the common stereotype for people that were home true yeah um <laughs> but uh yeah like i grew up with my mom being the teacher of like me and my three siblings i'm the youngest of four um but my dad worked from home for the most part too so he was always around so like i think i had a very unique childhood in that my parents are also very like loving to each other like very um like they showed us a yeah, lot yeah, yeah. Of affectionate, what, like yeah. affectionate they, yeah. they showed us what was like acceptable and like that narrative kind of played a lot in my life but then i know people sometimes i think the the stigma behind divorced parents is um overblown just because i know i have friends that have like their both parents are married, but they their one of their parents may not have been around that much because they work so hard mm-hmm. or they work so much. And that's kinda common, especially with some of my more immigrant parents who, you know, their the kids are at school all day, their parents work nights. And so they might not be home all the time. And there's kind of still that struggle, but like it's a presence in a different way and so I'm, I'm like really fascinated by that now this has just clicked in my head as we're talking mm. um about what presence matters the most because i know very i know divorced families that the the parents are still very like communal and like that has had a very negative effect on them like how close the parents still are to each other that has had a negative parent like effect on them as well because they get confused by the closeness of their parents rather than just splitting off like it's Mm -hmm. so it's almost as you said like the best interest of your parents was the best interest for you and when you're young you don't really see that but when you get older you do Mm -hmm. um and i just i find it like i i do think so like i've had people ask me or you know the the question like if you, you were to get eradicate one thing in the world what would it be most people say poverty my answer is always unhappy families and not from the sense of like parents can't get divorced i just mean like there has to be i just wish every child grew up in a a loving home and like had that presence because i think a lot of the stigma and a lot of the issues that we have that arrive in life are from an unhappy broken home and you can have a broken home that stays together that stays married Mm -hmm. whether that's abuse whether that's drugs there's so many different areas that a broken home can be all under one roof um so So, yeah, yeah
1: that's a really good point um it kind of just brings up like you know thoughts of different friends growing up and like maybe the thought as a younger uh, younger me that I had of them and now kind of not like the way I see them but just like kind of turning the page and, and seeing like kind of the man that they've become or you know potentially the woman but yeah there's so many cases and it's some and you're you're so right like sometimes the broken home is kind of the one that you may even think is like the most put together
0: mm-hmm. yeah like I've I've seen that happen. Um, And it's just like, you know, whether that a broken home could have been your parents staying together, but you know, as a child that there's things going on that it would be better resolved if they were not together. And like kids are smarter than we give them credit for in a lot of ways. And they can sense that Um, And in a lot of ways they can rebel against that more than actually being divorced. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that's kind of where the selfishness plays in. But you also mentioned how you had a, a support group of friends in high school, um, that was, you You felt like you could talk to about anything, which I think is, were they mostly guy friends?
1: Yeah. They, I mean, I had like plenty of friends who were girls as well. Uh, they, it was just more kind of like when it came to that close friends, mm-hmm. the girls were mostly like friends with girls and guys were mostly friends with guys. And that, yeah. I was the exact same. Um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely the guys who I was referring to
0: there. Yeah. Cause I, I, I found it interesting cause in, in my life, I don't really feel like, in high school, there was – I had a group of guy friends, but it wasn't up to that level that we would share, like, that vulnerable of topics. But now we're at that point that we've slowly gotten there. But
1: When I say I shared every – like, I could share everything with them, yeah. that was kind of, like, I think everything that I was wanting to share or get out at that time. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say that, you know, there was conversations that I could have now that we would come close to touching back then. It just – I didn't even think I was in touch with my emotions quite that well to like yeah. have those types of conversations or be more comfortable having those conversations um and like I said they before they, you know they always kind of referred to me as like the emotional guy and not like cause I was just like on the sidelines crying all the time or, yeah. like really like showing emotions. It was more like the smaller ways that I think I did it. Like, like while I was telling a story, like some sort of emotion I'd show on my face or like some reaction that I'd constantly have when they told me something like, I had didn't like. Yeah. Um, but that does kind of like hold you back a little bit in terms of like really coming out and saying everything that you might have on your mind, but as kind of like a safety blanket or, uh, distraction yeah like a distraction that I could turn to like that that was where
0: I went yeah 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 and I think as you've grown have you have you become more open with them or like men in general I guess
1: yeah definitely I think that like these conversations are a perfect example um it feels like maybe the last couple of years have led me to feel more open and that could be part like partly maybe some of the success that I've achieved and I'm not even speaking to success as like the money that I made is like some sort of like, you know, startup founder that just acquired another company, which means we just took on more like debt financing or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Like, we're, I'm still very much like trying to build something in the early stages of that. But uh, like I've been more successful in terms of the happiness um, that I've been able to live with over the last two years. And it's solely based off of the fact that I pursued what it is that I wanted to pursue. Mm-hmm. And I continue to do that unwillingly, you know, not like... I am not going to stop for anybody um, unless it's me and unless it's like the fact that I see myself getting very unhappy with what it is that I'm doing because I think we all have days where we can wake up unhappy but like you can really recognize when you've kind of sunk to that low point and you don't even want to like look at the door on the way into work or think about that next morning when you have to wake up for work like those are those are rough feelings
0: yeah Um,
1: and I'm probably even like rambling on now but
0: yeah I think so. Um, there was something that you said in there that I really wanted to touch on, but I kind of forget what it was. But it was something to do with guy friends. Um, but I, I guess in my own, or no, it was back to the sensitivity emotional thing. Did you, when you were younger, and you, because I was the same way, like all my life, I've grown up hearing like Luke, why are you so sensitive? Luke, why are you so emotional? Um, and I think it's the same way. Like, I'm, I'm a very passionate person. Like, I don't cry that often. I don't remember crying. And that's why I always get mad when people are like, men can cry. Well, I'm, I'm an emotional sensitive guy without crying that often. Mm. Um, I cry more at Leafs games game sevens than I do anything else and I actually told Kyle Dubas that I like I met Kyle Dubas at an event and I and uh, I told him that the last two times I cried were game sevens versus Boston and he looked at me and he said you're an emotional one aren't you that's like my claim to fame with the Toronto Maple Leafs is that he that Kyle Dubas directly called me emotional uh, I thought that was fantastic
1: he knew me yeah I'm
0: like yes Kyle I very much am when it comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs stop losing in game seven to Boston okay <laughs> yeah. thanks it's been three times in the last five years um but, like, I felt like that really shifted me in my approach to how I handled things for a while. And that I I was so worried about coming across as emotional and sensitive. And now I'm at the point where I'm trying to regain that. And it's really hard. Like, I, I felt I, I love that part about me. And I feel like I lost part of it. And I think there's other ex- circumstances rather than people just saying, like, Luke, you're so emotional, Luke, you're so sensitive, and I wanted to stop that. But, it, like, now I'm at the point where, I am like, I wish I held on to it as much as I, I had. Because I, I feel like there's times when I'm, like, not emotional and I'm not sensitive and I really wish I, I could be. Like, I don't have a, as much sympathy or empathy for situations as I, I used to have or, or want to have.
1: Yeah, I think you're touching on a really interesting subject that, like, bridges over... Uh you know so many different feelings I suppose and the idea of unlearning um, it reminds me of just this like LinkedIn show that was kind of early in the days of LinkedIn but like some creators were making this show called the unlearned show and Mm -hmm. at the time I was like so I just was like what does it mean to call your show the unlearned show and then as I started watching it a little bit more like I started to understand this concept of like unlearning concepts or Mm -hmm. like ways of doing things or the way that you are you know like it can really fall into so many different categories but what you're talking about is like as you learn to put a little bit of a wall up because there is like comments or whatever it wasn't like bullying but no people were making you more and more aware and maybe to the point where you hadn't fully been like self-aware enough to realize like hey i'm, I'm an emotional guy and that is okay mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm going to have just as great friends just a great life like you know great partners whatever all that's going to be great even though i'm emotional instead you kind of like start to like analyze that statement and then you're like oh is you know i'm like am I too emotional is that why they're saying it and you kind of learn slowly to put up that wall so what you have to end up doing is like somehow unlearning to put up that wall but it's become so like deeply ingrained in kind of the way you present yourself and you know your personality now uh-huh. which makes perfect sense is because it's like you've kind of transitioned like who you were then into like who you thought you wanted to be in not necessarily like a public fashion but just in general Mm -hmm. right Um, and I think the same could be said like just applying it to a different situation is I had this conversation recently about uh, you can do anything and like how that's kind of a general blanket statement that like gets taught early on in people's lives but it's not really like (laughs) so many people say that but they don't say it with like a deep belief that you could do anything and they don't like continue to hone in on why that is mm-hmm. or how you can r- really position yourself to do anything that you want right and I think that like over time because that statement just seems so open and not necessarily false but just kind of like cliche. overstated or cliche yeah. yeah people all of a sudden start to think to themselves that like oh, I can't do anything that's yeah. just kind of like you know foca or faux pas, like whatever yeah. they call that it's just like I can't really do anything I can do like this and this if I do this and it's partly the way school kind of gets you to think and there's so many little things that kind of feed against that statement but if somebody could really teach somebody and and get them to unlearn that like not believing that it, it, that is I feel like something that I've broken into over the last like maybe year and a half now is like once you start to see what is really possible it's it's truly mind-blowing um, to think about that term and then really put it in perspective of like i can do anything that i want to yeah and so very similar to like being emotional it's i can be emotional mm-hmm. like and that's going to be okay and speaking to the fact that you are you know, like how that kind of i guess from your early or mid-teen years mm-hmm. kind of pushed you through to like who you became in like your late teens and early 20s like ad- adulthood ultimately um it's so interesting to think about because even though i'm like. M- much more in touch maybe with the fact that i am emotional now and like i'm okay with it i'm fine having these kind of conversations i'm also a lot more in touch with the fact that i'm logical that's something yeah. that i've noticed too and mm-hmm. i like logic and it kind of goes against emotion and i wonder it's like like how, how have i battled with that over the course of my mm-hmm. life because you know my girlfriend uh lena she she will acknowledge a lot the fact that i'm, I'm emotional but she likes that yeah. And, it's, and it's also, like, nice when you have those people who you really appreciate in your life kind of, like, acknowledging in a really positive way that you're emotional. And I think that maybe would have helped me realize over the last couple of years that, like, that is a really great trait to have.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and It's
1: not for everybody. It doesn't mean, like, if you don't have it that you're not great. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Totally agree. I, I also think i'm logical my family would tell you that i think i'm logical um i use logic for a lot of things that i'm not emotionally invested in because i'm like why don't you see this logically like like i think i do um (laughs) which obviously one man's logic is another man's insanity like that's typically how it works Um, but i yeah I, i think it's just been really interesting what i think is fascinating to me is that the most Most of the comments I remember about being called emotional and sensitive come from the women in my life. It hasn't been, like, men telling me I'm too emotional. It's been women. And I'm like, that's not to, like, put blame on anything or anything. like. It's just, like, something I've – the comments I've stuck with me the most have been emotional from, like, oh, you're too emotional from women.
1: Yeah, it's a good point to bring up. And I don't think, like you said, it's really not, like, segregating or discriminating like that at all. It's just the fact that, like, I think everyone can almost acknowledge that, like, women are just more in touch with their emotions, I, I think, oftentimes. Than yeah, men. yeah. And that is, like, seen from a really early age, typically, mm-hmm. that, like, women understand their emotions and are okay with expressing them a little bit more than men are. Mm-hmm. I can even think into, like, maybe a not-so, um, like, yeah, it's great to be emotional. Like, yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so good to have those qualities. Like, even on the other end of it, where it's, like, that can cause you some headaches, like, go back to high school it's just if you compare the numbers it's going to be hard to imagine you know guys having as much kind of like drama amongst their group of friends mm-hmm. as the woman did guys typically either just didn't get that upset about things and really weren't that emotional about it or just kind of brush it off to the side even if yeah. it did make them that upset where a woman would just like it would be talked about from the get-go when something happens but like that shows the kind of level of maturity in dealing with those emotions versus mm-hmm. kind of how guys would in most situations, kind of brush those
0: off. Yeah, and I think what's important to note, note there is, like, maybe it was because guys weren't getting to the core of each other, that there wasn't as much personal conflict, you know? Like, that's something that I've thought about, too, is, like, I didn't know you well, and I didn't know um, – we didn't share enough emotion, we weren't vulnerable enough yeah. to really get to kind of, like, that core – um this is why you hurt me kind of thing. Yeah. So we, we, we kind of more ignored it and then like kind of what the brushing off with rather than addressing the issue, which was probably to a positive thing, but also to a long term detriment of being like like this and like I don't feel comfortable feeling feeling open with other men in my life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Honesty. Like it, it really comes down to that, right? Mm-hmm. And um and I think that you hit on a great point because the more you do something, the more that becomes ingrained as a habit mm-hmm. and you know to kind of habitualize hiding your emotions or not feeling like you can really get down to what's cutting you know through you or kind of like that's really hurting you mm-hmm. um, about the situation that may have happened with another you know guy or girl is uh, is a dangerous you know habit yeah to have.
0: yeah and I've really tried to practice that with I I so even I have a pretty close group of guy friends. We're pretty open with each other, but I find myself to be more open with them in a one-on-one setting rather than a group setting. Like, we'll hang out. We'll do... We'll eat food. We'll eat haka, We'll play Settlers of Catan.
1: Catan. Um,
0: Best game. Catan, yeah. And then... You know we'll drive each other home and then I'm in the I'm in a, their driveway for like a, like the last person that I'm either dropping off or is dropping me off we'll talk for like an hour and hour and a half and that's when we have like the deepest conversation when it's just us two somehow I started they start it. I'm not sure how it happens um but it's almost always the same and that it's it's in the driveway of your close friend one-on-one because we don't feel comfortable being that vulnerable in a group setting which mm-hmm. is why I like this because like this is uh, one-on-one setting um, yeah, yeah. it's it's much easier to do that and I, I really want to get to the point of group vulnerability with men it's hard to do in podcast settings just because <laughs> the audio quality would just yeah. diminish um, but I've always been like that's always been something I'm fascinated by is how we we don't seem to be able to do it in in groups of two or more like it just
1: yeah yeah, yeah. I think you're like the more you're having these conversations you're probably starting to see these things coming up more and more so i i, I have to agree with you 100 percent. yeah <laughs> it it doesn't really happen often enough um there's for so many reasons that could be and it's great because like, you're just getting me thinking more and more and like kind of self-reflecting you know, over the course of this talk mm-hmm. and I, like I, ju- I just keeps bringing up so many different memories and it's ever as to like why i didn't say this or why i did say this and like you know even though like maybe i was emotional and uh, i expressed emotions a little bit more than some of the friends around me did mm-hmm. some of them were great at talking about like their feelings and, and and really like those emotions about other people you know about like the woman or um, at that point like the teenagers that they may have been liking in high school and yeah stuff. like i was never that good at speaking about those subjects and like that's like a vulnerability that i'm just bringing up right now mm-hmm. i still haven't really like gotten like way past that curve but like a couple of relationships and really the one that i'm in right now like that one has helped me kind of get by that and Mm -hmm. slowly i've gotten a little bit more comfortable kind of like being very open about that stuff i'm not really sure why i hit it in the past it may have had a little something to do with like the divorce as well and like kind of the constant in the back of my head of like what can happen yeah in the grand scheme of things but yeah. some some guys were and like some of the like more non-emotional guys I think as you think about them mm-hmm. kind of like the type a um, typical you know male like athlete personality or something mm-hmm. they were great at talking about that kind of stuff yeah. almost too good like it just like flaunted in public yeah sometimes.
0: it's like a level of it's almost how the more emotional in tune with themselves guys have struggles with outward confidence about the, those things while the outwardly confident guys, about those things may not be able to yeah. refine or like really know themselves as well and now that you brought that up i'm thinking about that like how that conflict just exists because whenever i see like a boisterous guy i'm like he probably doesn't really know him. he probably doesn't like self-reflect that much and i like that's a that's a bad judgment for me yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's also like well, you're I, acknowledging it yeah too. if i see a quiet reserved guy it's like i can i probably know that this guy knows himself pretty well like mm-hmm. and that's I'm like more on the boisterous type if people know me, but I'm also very, like, self-reflective, which people know if they like start talking to me. Yeah. So I'm I have to start learn like, and that's been something I've been judging other guys less for, in like, it's I don't want to judge them for not either one going down that process or two not not judging them before I know if they've been down that process or not. Um, but you talked about now your relationship and. Um, you know I, I know that uh, you were kind of interested in talking about that um, and I think maybe even from your your past experiences either it's like you were worried maybe like the relationships were gonna fail just because of the divorce or something like that but also just like I know I know a lot of people that are just very personal about their relationships as well and they just don't share a lot um, regarding um, their their significant other and they keep a lot of that stuff I respect that a lot that when when really like couples keep a lot of their their arguments or whatever internal and don't go out and spread um yeah misinformation yeah. i, or, I guess important. or like 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 rants to too many people because then that's when you get into a lot of drama right
1: yeah well drama and it's also just like there's like a trust factor there yeah I mean, you know, like certain certain things that your partner is going to tell you are really like meant to be kept between you and him or you and her like <laughs> other things there's a clear kind of like green light to you know, talk about that type of stuff. And I think mm-hmm. like talking about a relationship is a good thing um, because it means that like you're confident in that relationship means that you're happy in that relationship. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there's nothing to hide ultimately. Uh, and so as much as it's also helping me build a skill, like, yeah, I'm definitely interested in kind of talking about it and, and talking about relationships because it's such a weird, like tipsy terby area of my life. Um, going back to kind of like maybe my first girlfriend in high school and really not having like another one. I don't think. I never really was, like, you know, dated somebody pretty officially. Yeah. Um, and even that didn't last that long. And so, like, after that point, given, like, the whole divorce thing had happened, I was already kind of of the mindset that, like, ah, this stuff isn't going to work for me that well, at least right now. Like, going back, I was just never really mature enough, I don't think, to, like, enter that space, mm-hmm. um, either mentally, or potentially physically, who knows. But it was just, like, I don't think that that was really something that I looked at seriously for a long period of time and it was certain situations where like I was almost looking the direct opposite way like basically doing everything in my power to avoid getting into a relationship where yeah. I like slowly find myself in another or like my first real one for example like while I was away studying abroad um, and then like how not like very quickly but over the course of time like that kind of turned slightly sour and it was as much my fault as anybody's Mm -hmm. in that particular situation like i will definitely take the onus for that um but i thought i think it's also a level of expectations and setting that expectation very similar to like when you're in a professional environment and if there aren't expectations that are set by your bosses you know for your employees then like naturally things are going to get (laughs) pretty tense at a certain point because like they're not going to be either upholding the expectation or they're going to be doing things way outside of the expectation that should have been set. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the same kind of thing can happen in a relationship. And I guess kind of taking it through really quickly explaining like what led me to where I am now and like a really great relationship. um, That one where I was studying abroad kind of just ended in a negative way. We still you know, remained friends for a period of time, but I mm-hmm. think that almost made it slightly harder um, for both of us. And then, you know, over the course of that time, again, I just really pushed away this idea of relationships. I, I just thought it was going to hold me back, and if I really wasn't ready to commit to the responsibility that that takes, <laughs> then there's just no way that I should put myself in that situation. Mm-hmm. And then I slowly, again, it kind of just like came time to where I didn't even realize that I may have been ready for that bad is really ready and I think I was looking for a level of like comfort in a way that something that could take me out of what I'm constantly in just like every single day from the moment I wake up Mm -hmm. typically until near when I go to bed um and it's been yeah like really just a great honest open relationship and um I think we both set that expectation of like where we saw ourselves going and like what we wanted to do um as like two individuals ultimately Mm -hmm. right from the get-go when there could have been something serious there and it was yet in, in a situation where i had no expectation that i was gonna get into a relationship because i was living in a different city had pretty much moved there a couple months prior uh, and certainly did not want to get into something that was long distance again right that was kind of like my thought process mm-hmm. but I think in time really your emotions tell the story and and they'll kind of tell you whether or not you're gravitating to something or not. Yeah. Um, And I really was in that sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I I definitely want to talk to you about your approach to that relationship because I know it's long distance. Um, I know you talked about the need for selfishness. You're an entrepreneur. You're helping running a huge company. Well, I guess like a growing company. Um, hopefully huge. Yeah, hopefully huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean I – mean, In time. Yeah, in time. I believe in you. I've had your hat. I wear it every day. I appreciate so, that. Yeah. yeah. I, I see
1: the thing going <laughs> to worn out. I'm like, oh, I might have to give him another one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, when I was in Montreal two weekends ago, it, it flew off my head because it was so windy. Dude, mine just flew off when I was
1: walking back here for the first time. Yo. It ended up in the middle of the road. Yeah. And the people were all so nice. They just yeah. stopped. And, like, I ran into, into the middle
0: of the street. <laughs> and a car was about to run it over. I'm like, no, this is my friend's hat. My, my other friend I was with was like, why don't you just like, let that hat go? i like, it's my friend's company. And she's like, okay, whatever. Don't get defensive about it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was like, I have to protect this hat.
1: <laughs> True shop. Get your merch. Get your merch. <laughs> yeah,
0: get it. Plug it. Um, yeah. But yeah, you talked about open, honest relationship, the need for selfishness, how it's long distance. And I think that's a really interesting approach. Um, and, and I always talk about two individuals coming together as one as well. And um, in a lot of ways, I think my dad always talks about, or my dad has talked about, how in a relationship, even though there's codependency, you're still supposed to do things together. You're, you're like, you, you become one. Mm-hmm. But I think with our generation, it's it's more, I think it's the same approach, but in kind of a different method. Um, and I, I guess I'm really just fascinated by how you find time for that. Like, I have, one of my best friends is in a long distance relationship too. Um, and... Yeah, like just kind of like lead into that, how you're able to manage long distance, manage your company, and all the things kind of involved in that. How
1: I'm managing it all. Um, I, I think the biggest part that i had have to identify first is like, <laughs> Lena, I think, helped manage me to some degree. And, and like, that doesn't feel like anything that I have to manage, which is the biggest one of the bigger reasons i'm sure that it works mm. is like it doesn't feel like i'm having to manage that relationship um she knows that i want the absolute best for her and that i'm always there to support and kind of vice versa is evidently clear from the day we kind of started going down that route mm-hmm. uh and yeah like i mean you made me think of so many different things there it was like i was almost going off on a tangent thinking about like i was just watching inside bill's brain um
0: oh bill I, gates yeah, yeah have yeah. you seen that yeah it was great i thought it was great
1: Yeah. Epic. I'd never heard of that before. I didn't know if it was like new or maybe it is, but
0: it's like a month old, I think. Oh, okay. So it is new.
1: Anybody who hasn't watched that, definitely if you're into entrepreneurship or just into like fascinating people and seeing how their brain kind of ticks, that is a, a very cool show. And it gets like, he gets really introspective and talks about the personal life as well. And they talk about this one point where, you know, when everything was just going like bananas from microsoft and really blowing up after he had got married to melinda the fact that like she was like almost hitting a near rock bottom kind of moment especially like on a personal and relationship level and you know it was like an honest conversation frank between the two of them and like really just assurance like bill kind of looking at her in a very serious manner and saying like anywhere we're going or i'm going we're going together Mm-hmm. and I think that kind of notion as long as you know that when it doesn't have to be said or maybe sometimes it does that'll really get you a long ways in a relationship um because it kind of as I mentioned before uh yesterday when we were speaking you know Lena and I don't speak every single day uh yet that really works for us I think like she needs some alone time I certainly will need some alone time and like mm-hmm. sometimes my alone time is really just spent working um and I really oftentimes need that break too, like somebody who I can just kind of like hit up with a text message or a call just, just to talk about something that's not work. And Mm -hmm. then when she's here, like when she's visiting, when I'm visiting there, um, that is where I kind of like most ever, mostly everything else in my life kind of takes a bit of like a side hold. And I focus on her and like that relationship and trying Mm -hmm. to be intentional with that time, other than maybe like seeing a friend or, you know, going out to see some people together, you know, the typical things yeah. that people will do um, with one another. So yeah, I think like as it relates to the relationship and how I manage work, like I, I'm very like Im- as much emotionally invested in the work as I am uh, physically and like mentally invested in it every single day. And I know that like at some point that doesn't even have a very good effect on my physical attributes or like my health. And so she makes me evidently aware of that. And like, it's kind of that constant reminder about there's, there's other things outside of work and, you know, very important thing is her. So Mm -hmm. visiting and and making that a habit, like whether it's once a month or a little bit more frequently than that, like we try to do it more frequently. Um, But again, it's expensive. Like she's in Ottawa, Toronto. Mm -hmm. So it's really not that far. Um, But yeah, like thinking about this whole idea of getting into a long distance relationship when like it hadn't really worked for me in the past and ended up kind of bad. um, I really think it's about setting that, you know, expectation again, that we're two individuals who are going to live codependently mm-hmm. and whether that's, you know, I think we want to be closer together at a certain stage when we can be. Um, but I know that she's doing what she's doing right now for a reason. And I don't, I wouldn't want to take her like out of an environment just that she lived in Toronto and that she's closer and that it works better for me that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause she might not like the Toronto and that's really never going to do anything good for our relationship at the end of the day. So yeah, without intentionally getting into a long distance relationship, I think that's just where it's led us to this point. Um, and hopefully, you know, we kind of get led away from there mm-hmm. at a certain stage in yeah. the future too.
0: I think that last point you brought up is a really key point of the selfishness that you're talking about. And like, so I've had this conversation with my parents quite a bit in that, you know, there's this huge idea in our generation now that, Oh, do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever makes you happy. Am I like, I think there's, that's a generational gap thing, too, and, and the, just, like, the branding of it, kind of how um, you can be – you can do anything you want. You know, mm-hmm. there's kind of, like, this cliché, overblown, and it sounds very selfish. Um, and there, I've had a couple conversations with my mom specifically about, you know, sometimes in marriage you won't be happy. And so to look at happiness as the key metric in a marriage – is broken, and I agree with that. I definitely agree that if you're looking at marriage to be always rainbows and sunshines and always happy, you're gonna fail. But something that you just brought up in terms of, or something that I think could be addressed with your selfishness thing earlier, was your selfishness means doing what you're going to do that puts you in the best place to succeed, not I want you to do what I want you to do, which you kind of just mentioned, like you don't want her to move to Toronto even though that's a selfish thing it's a different selfish thing that I'm going to do what I'm going to do like selfishness should not be I want you to do what I want to do but I want to do what I want to do yeah. and I think that's a key now that we're just talking about it that's a key difference between the selfishness that I think our generation sometimes talks about and the selfishness in the term selfish um, true yeah
1: yeah no I, I 100% agree I think like one on one lens everything is about perspective so like terms like selfishness or you know confidence can be perceived in a ton of different ways mm-hmm. just depending on the situation, the way people perceive the word, you know, context, whatever it may be. Right. So that's just like one thing to consider about any word and like those types of, I guess, words that get associated with people of a certain type. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's literally nothing more important other than maybe on like the Friday and Saturday nights when it's like one person wants to do this, one person doesn't exactly want to do that but like you're you're gonna maybe make a little bit of a sacrifice to like go see um not like a movie that you don't want to see that's not really sacrifice but maybe you you know had a long week you don't really want to be around people but she had plans with her friends like it's it's almost like the right thing to do to not be selfish in that respect and like do that for the other person right yeah whereas like you're just talking about like getting them to do something for you because it's just going to benefit you and it may put them in a sour place or not such a great place. That's really never going to end up well. There's no long-term gains there for anybody. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, to- totally agree.
0: Yeah. So what kind of in your, how long have you been dating Lena? Uh,
1: getting close to a year. Yeah. Okay. It was really kind of by super, super by chance. Like we had known each other for a little while. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we're just we were honestly just friends uh compared like strategies and like social media and stuff when we were both working on some like different projects uh, on there mm-hmm. and it was somebody who I'd met kind of more in a professional um manner and connected with them that way initially and then when i moved out to vancouver from ottawa um you know was out there for about two months and just after christmas she was visiting that's where her mom lives um, she's really from Ecuador, but mom still lives there. Brother still lives there. Mm-hmm. And so she was visiting for Christmas and we met up and, you know, just one thing kind of led to another. And I was just like, oh my God, like I'm actually going to be moving back to Toronto, like in a month, not intended, but you yeah. know what I mean? It was just like one of those things that was happening. I was like, you know, I'm probably going to be back in Ottawa a little bit. Like maybe at that point, like, let's just hang out again and see if there's something that we want to move forward with here. Mm-hmm. And it was just natural. Like, no yeah. expectations at any point in time. But clearly setting the, like I talked about earlier, those expectations of, like, what each of us were doing and the fact that that really wasn't going to change.
0: Yeah. For anybody. yeah. So did you meet on LinkedIn?
1: No, no, we okay. didn't. We met through an
0: event. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say like LinkedIn is But like indirectly LinkedIn yeah. locals <laughs>
1: events are like yeah. one of those yeah.
0: Yeah, that you helped uh found, right? No, I didn't no. help found. Oh, no. found. I, I helped you ran the first I, one. I Ottawa? helped
1: host uh the First View in Ottawa, yeah. yeah like, okay uh, Get that community going.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Uh people always say LinkedIn's not a dating app. I was trying to like spin that a bit, but I guess I can't. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of situations sure. where it's it's probably happened over the course of time. Like yeah first of all LinkedIn it's like professional like networking place yeah. it's really just turning into Microsoft glorified social media platform you Yeah, know what I mean like they're turning it into very much a semblance of like Facebook and a lot of what's out there so it'll be turning more and more into like a yeah. marketplace where people can meet each other and yeah. start dating that Yeah, would be
0: wouldn't be surprised um, but I, I know you said that your your, I guess your previous real relationship was more in high school it like was probably when I was in university, university? the first one, one high
1: school was really not that real
0: okay how So, like, I guess in your time from being in that relationship to being in the one with Lena now, kind of what have been your biggest um, takeaways of, of who you are as a man? How have you seen yourself grow in, in like, the relationship aspect of it? Because I'm asking this more of selfish interest because <coughs> – sorry. No, I'm 23. Good. I've never been in a relationship. Um, and I'm trying to figure – I feel like my next stage of growth will be in a relationship. And I'm, I feel like right now I've, I've almost – not to say I've hit a peak. But I'm I'm really interested in seeing how I could, who I could become as a man in a relationship and what that side of me looks like. And I want that part of me to do more self-reflection. So I'm interested in like hearing what your reflection on that has been.
1: For what it's worth, because it really shouldn't matter to you whatsoever, but like you, I'm sure you'd be just like kind of almost a dream boyfriend. Like you're so, you know what (laughs) I mean? Like in, in many ways where like you give thought to so much of this that like, I think in many women's previous experiences, they probably haven't had that same type of experience. So um, it's interesting to hear you say that because like you, you are so, so in touch with like a lot of these things. And like the more you're having these conversations, I imagine the more you're kind of like putting this web together in in your head. Um, I guess speaking to like that, maybe that first relationship, I could talk to that. There's one thing that I I really want to bring up because Mm -hmm. I think it had a profound effect on like how I, how that first relationship started. Um, and, and so, too, like, the relationship with Lena that ended up kind of blossoming, how that came to be. Because um, I've spoke about it a little bit now, the fact that I had more or less hidden from relationships. I I put that wall up, and that wasn't something that I really wanted to, like, set aside the time and kind of have that responsibility.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So when I was going to Australia, it was clear that i was of the interest to get to the beach you know i knew where i was going it was a warm climate most of the year i, I was working out trying to get in like great you know shape to so i could surf when i get there mm. there's going to be lots of women from all over the world um in a you know college that's filled with international students. it's like
0: yeah australian well, accents. a lot of guys
1: yeah. <laughs> in, in australian accents yeah like for you know all the canadians listening to this like they There was a lot for a guy to want about that situation. And so, like, I was definitely kind of, you know, head down, like, doing those few things, working, trying to save as much money as I could for that, because tuition was, like, an arm and a leg. But thinking about, like, women and relationships up to that point, like, the couple years before I was leaving, more than that, that was not something that was going to enter the picture. I didn't want to have something that, like, where I might leave somebody who I'm dating like my significant other in Ottawa while I go do there for a year and a half. That Mm -hmm. was just never going to work. Right. I was focused on like, man, this is going to almost be like a a playground. I get to surf. There's going (laughs) to be so many women, you know what I mean? Like what more could you want as a guy? And I think like that attitude was some respects obvious enough to like the people around me. And at the time uh, I was living at my mom's house and we had our, my, my cousin's now wife, and the mother of their children Uh, they were not engaged I don't think at that point maybe they were she was like fiance but she was taking they were living in Montreal Mm -hmm. um, and she was taking I think about four or five weekends in a row a course uh, to teach yoga in Ottawa and it was just like in the same suburb that we lived so she was crashing at our place Mm -hmm. each weekend that she was there for the course and she and I kind of got close during that time Uh, we hadn't known each other that well but like that's a pretty tight cousin and so we had started having more conversations she was interested about like what I was going to be doing in uh, Australia we were talking about that a little bit Mm -hmm. and as we kind of got to like the you know what I started with here of like oh so she's like you know are you dating anybody that type of thing and then it gets into like no no like I've you know I've not been like focused on that at all don't Mm want to like set anything up and I want to go to Australia with kind of like open mind just like kind of the world at my fingertips type thing you know what I mean and plenty of opportunity there to date women uh, and to meet a lot of different beautiful women from around the world and so like that kind of like thing came out and her general piece of advice to me was the fact that even though you're in a situation where like yes you want to go there you want to have fun like you're you know 21 you're leaving the house really for the first time you're gonna be living abroad for more than a year and a half in one of the most beautiful places on earth like yes of course these things add up but like as a human being it's really important not to close yourself off to those relationships and especially like where and when that might happen mm-hmm. because you know, in my situation, I wouldn't think that like I'm going to enter a relationship months within getting to Australia where I think that like, I'm not planning on being in a relationship that entire year and a half mm-hmm. so I can have some fun and like, going to get out of my shell a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly what ended up happening is like, you know, and then, two and a half, three months or something, I was in a relationship there. And, um, you know, in a very similar situation after with Lena, like where I was kind of moving away leading up to that point for about a year, year and a half in Ottawa, like I was Mm -hmm. definitely not trying to get into any serious relationships because I had a feeling, you know, like, especially once I was working with True Fan and on that project. At a certain point, like, I wasn't going to be working from Ottawa anymore. That was a remote thing. Yeah. That was kind of temporary. I told the guys from day one, like, When it's time, when we're either doing business and we have the sales to support it, or we've done a raise, I'm going. Like I'm, I'm following the company. We're going to base ourselves out of that same spot, and and we'll grow this thing together. Mm -hmm. So I was ready to move, and I was working up to that, knowing it was going to happen. So eventually, did move to Vancouver, right? And at that point, it was just like again, like you know, stepping out of the house again. Well, i had lived out of the house, I guess, in Ottawa at that point, but new place new environment like trying to meet new people get outside my comfort zone um you know a great place I'd never really spent time before in Vancouver and in in like the most unexpected way that kind of just like found its way into my life and you know without thinking about it too much like I knew Lena was kind of somebody that I cared for Mm -hmm. and that like she had a lot of draws that I was looking for in a woman and um and then that, you know, it's having that kind of openness, of so relating that back to you know, my cousin's wife, um, she that that was like a really profound piece of advice that I I really needed from her more than I could even acknowledge at that time and probably mm-hmm. even more again than I know now. But going out to Australia at that point, like I was so so closed off. And with without that advice, it would have been that way the entire time, no matter what had happened. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like that same thing. I really kept that in mind over the course of that time, despite the fact that I still pushed away relationships for like the three or four years that I was home prior to going to Vancouver and mm-hmm. this kind of spontaneous thing happening. Um, but that was in the back of my mind. It's just like not being closed off to like how, when, who, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. not kind of bucketing certain situations to be a certain way. You got to let things play out sometimes. Yeah, and it's meant to be. Typically, it'll kind of happen.
0: Yeah, I, I find that, I I think that's like the saddest part about online dating is that you're always forcing it. Like the first date seems always forced. Mm. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I'm going through right now in, in the sense, like I'm, I'm meeting a lot of people, which is really cool. I'm going on dates, which is cool. I'm learning about like that aspect, figuring out kind of really quickly whether or not a girl is interesting or not, whether or not I want to pursue it further. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's kind of like that thing where it feels too forced sometimes when it, I, you know, you always have this dream that you're just going like, to run into the girl of your dreams on the street or something, like <laughs> yeah. at the coffee shop. There's going to be some yeah. winning one-liner that's going to happen and you're just going to like, okay, maybe this is the girl that's going to happen. Or it'll be
1: like that book that you just read and yeah. you like take an eye of the book. And then... Yeah.
0: Like all the time people will like say to me, like, Luke, when you're not looking for a relationship, that's when it will come. I'm like, okay, well, that's,
1: that's that, that, you know what? Good on you for bringing that back around because that was definitely a piece of that advice. Yeah. I was was definitely kind of like simply
0: putting it. That was basically
1: what she had said and I knew that was part of it.
0: Yeah. So, but like, I'm like, man, I've been waiting. I I haven't been looking for a relationship for a long time. Now I am. And it's still like not coming. So it's it's like one is practicing patience for me. But two is just like, you know, I really just want to want to learn how to do that like there's things in a relationship that i feel like i've been hindered from um, growing up mainly because like so i come from a christian home and like that has affected some of the images that i have on secular relationships because i guess i'm not religious anymore like i don't prescribe to Mm -hmm. christianity that my parents Mm -hmm. do and so that has been hard for me to now understand like okay where are my morals what are my ethics now Where's the line because I don't believe in everything that you know the Bible talks about regarding relationships, but I definitely don't believe in the whole idea of like Sleeping around too much like I don't Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. and it's trying to explore that I still have I like I have shame about You know, maybe like I you know, I've always been told that sex before marriage is bad, but like is it like I don't know Um, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and there's been moments in my life where I'm like, okay Well, that definitely didn't I feel empty from that still but would I feel less empty if that was with in a relationship, like so. There's there's things, and I was talking about with this with with a friend the other day. Is like, where is my line? Where is my boundary? And I I really kind of sometimes feel like I know it sounds bad because I don't need a companion, but like I'm in order like I need to it. Yeah. I need a companion in order to figure out that that other side of me that I'm really trying to explore.
1: Yeah, like what you're saying is it, like you know I, i'm here i'm willing to be open and like learn how to be a good partner ultimately but like yeah. it, i i totally understand you like finding even that like h- how it actually happens i could never like figure out like how it happens because clearly in my stance as well like i didn't line these things up you mm-hmm. know what i mean it was just like it just happened at, at a certain point in time and it was as a result of many circumstances coming together but like what you learn kind of going through those experiences definitely teaches you like a lot of different lessons and you know kudos to lena like i feel like i learn things about like whether it's being in a relationship or just about myself and things about life in general all the time when i'm around her Mm -hmm. um because she's a different type of personality than i am and like she's much much kind of more intellectual (laughs) i suppose than, than kind of like i am um I think we'd probably argue about who's more logical, but I'd probably call that an even uh, stance right now. But everything from like how I've been cheersing like my whole life, there's like, there's so many kind of things that I've just learned from her. And those are just really through experiences that I've had with her. Mm-hmm. Right. So I get, I, I get what where you're, where you're talking about. And it's like, I wouldn't even think to yourself that you're missing out. I would just think to yourself, like you're in for a great su- surprise. I mm-hmm. think as somebody who's very, Aware of your emotions and you're willing to kind of take that look at yourself and ask yourself is there something you could be doing better all those types of things that like uh, is going to be a good it's going to make you a good partner Mm -hmm. but you're in for a great surprise like when that does come because that initial part is going to be somewhat of a surprise you know what I mean like I just Mm -hmm. that's just how it seems to happen yeah and you know the experiences is it's just like kind of one surprise after another and most of them are pretty good and I feel like you're going to look at it in a light where like all of those are amazing, positive experiences. You're already mm. expressing that, so yeah, super impressive, man. Thanks,
0: yeah. man. I mean, I feel like right now I'm being too picky, and like I'm, I'm like with apps. That's what happens, right? You can be picky with who you want. Oh my god, yeah, it's and an then it's MLC like sea people, yeah, and it's like that's the worst part because so on Tinder, I I'm like the not the most physically standardized beautiful kind of guy <laughs> um but like, i shine through my like emotions for the most part or sorry my my personality for the most part um so i've i've been able to like attract interest that way like when i'm on the date it's like oh, okay this guy's actually like quite interesting yeah i get pretty introspective to me if a, if a date is shorter than four hours a con- a shorter than a four hour conversation over dinner it's like a bad that's like a bad date <laughs> <to me. laughs> that's a pretty yeah. high like but like that's how probably 50 to 60 percent of my good dates or no, that's how 100% all my good dates go, and that's about how 60% of my dates have gone. So it's like 60%, I would say, are good dates like because they're like that. Um, but then I, I feel like I'm getting like too picky, like, okay, this isn't something I'm interested in. Like, oh, is she pretty enough? And like, it's such shallow bullshit, but it's like, it's so dumb. But it's like how you think about like your partner. It's how everyone thinks. Yeah. And, like, I feel like the person I find will be like, that's not even a thought is like, is she pretty enough or is she not pretty enough? It's more of like, is there emotional connection here? And I've really only felt that probably on three or four of like 20 dates, I guess.
1: But you're noticing it, right? Yeah. And does the, the, those times kind of like remove or or kind of for a period of time dismiss those kind of other thoughts? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So yeah. That's, the, that's the main thing. Yeah. You know?
0: I'll walk away from a date and be like, holy, I'll text my friends I'll it That was that was a good one yeah like that was that was solid and like i definitely want to see her again um so yeah like i i definitely am like that's what i'm trying to explore within myself and like figuring out who i will become in my relationship so i guess that kind of leads to one of my one of my favorite questions to ask is um where do you think your next stage of growth will come from like you're you're an entrepreneur you're you know i don't know if you call yourself c-suite I would call you, let's call yourself sweet, sweet. you're a sweet sweet individual um, you're at, so sweet <laughs> at a startup uh, you have a girlfriend like you're you're living alone in Toronto you're very independent so the, like in a lot of ways that's a lot of growth but where do you see yourself growing the most right now
1: right now uh, I mean it would probably be it would have to be more on the business side just yeah. because of some of the stuff that I'm we're now dealing with after this acquisition like um within like a matter of couple weeks it feels like my work has just rapidly like quintupled um and not like that's hard to keep up with but at once you know the podcast like I had very much positioned it so that it wouldn't add stress and now it's kind of adding a bit more stress and I'm like God, you know that podcast I knew would start adding stress. So like dealing with those kind of like challenges along the way, it's a never ending like daily type of thing that comes up. And I think that is constantly where I'm learning the most about myself, uh, learning the most about like the type of output that I can really provide. Um, And then also just like learning general skills and how, how we navigate a situation where like, you know, 70 plus customers are just being introduced to us. Some of, of the names Netflix, NBA, NFL, like big customers, and so like transitioning that and, mm-hmm. and really turning that into our relationship now, like on a more human-to-human human level, right? Um doing doing those things the right way. That's probably where I'm learning the most. I think that like into the future, I still have like leaps and bounds to grow through on like a relationship front as it relates to how I treat Lena. Um, all all of those types of things, I'd be the first to say like I'm never going to be perfect, and I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of cliche quotes, but it's so true. Like I, I typically will learn a new thing in almost every single day, and sometimes it's the most random thing, but oftentimes it's from like Lena or the people closest to me. Yeah, um, and, I th- and I think that's what I can really appreciate about them is they understand the fact that like I'm I'm still trying to be a better human, um, and she really appreciates that I think, uh, and so. Yeah. I think like growing personally, it really just comes down to like the kind of conversations that you can have. Um, I think that goes hand in hand with like, you know, the conversation I can have with my mom and my dad now was a little bit more open. Like I'm my own adult uh, and they know that. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's just, it's more about how can I begin to share the things that I'm experiencing with them without coming off too much in the ways that they don't understand potentially or, um, you know, I don't really want to seem overconfident in like what I'm doing because I, I still feel like there's way more out there that I need to accomplish before, like I've hit a point of really satisfaction personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so yeah, like having those emotional talks, like talks about maybe feelings that I had as a child or, or being more honest with them. Ultimately, um, I think those are, are ways that I, I really can learn mm-hmm. in the short term um, and in the long term as well. Like there's there's really no ending
0: yeah. to that. Now that you mentioned it, like we talked about, bit about this on the phone yesterday, is like, I've, in my six months of like me living at home now, I feel like I've my relationship with my mom and dad has actually gotten better, um, and I didn't really think that was gonna happen. I, like,
1: you kind of just I just don't just, think much good is gonna happen. No, when you move I just home, was like, right? I
0: don't. I'm pissed to move like live at home. I yeah. want to be in Toronto. I'm like, I'm going to be unhappy. Like there's rules that my parents have and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to follow these rules. And I'm like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but I've, you know, I've kept myself busy enough to, you know, some of those rules don't really like apply to me because I'm not home a lot because I'm doing other yeah, things. And you're an adult. Yeah. And like, I'm an adult. You know, they know so like, that. They respect Yeah. That. I want to contribute to the home because like as someone that lives in their home, mm-hmm. like, it's always a rule to contribute. Um, but through the, doing this podcast, I was really worried that my parents could be like, oh my God, this the son that we have, we didn't really know these things about him, and now we're upset. Like some of these things that are going to come out, are not going to be like great things. Yeah. But honestly,
1: it leads to the greatest conversation. It leads to the greatest thing. Yeah, like yeah. my
0: mom has, I, man. Like uh, three week, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I forget how what long ago I got. I came home from Toronto. I uh, got off the go train. I, I go to my mom, or I go to the car t- uh, to because she's picking me up, and I hear it's like really loud. I'm like, wow! My mom has something really loud on the car. I open the door. It's my <laughs> podcast, and I'm like, <laughs> yes. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> but my mom's listening to this like it's full like blast in, in like in the LCBO parking lot where I get off the train. But like, she just turns it down and, and she looks at me. And, she, and she's only like twenty minutes into it. She looks at me. She's like, Luke, I'm just so proud of you and like yesterday I I came home and I was on the phone with you like I I was in the car for some of it with my dad okay Um, wow yeah you didn't even know probably so impressive (laughs) and then I came home I'm still on the phone with you and uh, so I like two minutes 30 minutes into getting 30 seconds into getting home we're off the phone call I come downstairs my mom's like is that for your podcast and she's like yeah and then I I go sit down in the front room and she comes over to me again she's like I'm just so proud of you. Like this has been an avenue for me to share things with my parents that I wasn't really comfortable sharing with them. And now I'm comfortable sharing with them because this has been like an insight into my life. And I realize now it's like maybe my, I always got the feeling because I come from a Christian home sometimes that I wouldn't be able to share some of these things going on in my life. But I think me putting in the steps to confront some of these things openly has been like, okay, my son wants to change or he's like, I should have talked to him earlier and there's kind of like a bit of like lead up or like you're trying to rekindle some of the conversations you never you never had but you wish you did
1: yeah I think it's just so valiant like kind of the way that you're speaking about this and how honestly you're talking about those experiences with your parents especially like following a a portion of the podcast where you touched on the fact that like you're kind of actively dating right now right Mm -hmm. And like any of those women that you're dating could foreseeably just go listen to your podcast after they go on a date with you and like you know hear all of this stuff yeah which which i think is just amazing because like what you're getting at there essentially is the fact that if you could share this with your parents you know like these these sorts of conversations and ultimately this is something you don't mind listening to and then you can have frank follow-up conversations and dialogue after
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you should be able to do that with anybody yeah because like it's really not you shouldn't be thinking hey what are these people thinking and like What's their thought process? How are they thinking about me? How are they judging me? There's one situation that you might might do that almost like by default as a human being is with your parents. Yeah. Typically. So like if you can get past these types of hurdles while you're building, like it's not just you're building the skills of like being more open in terms of these tough conversations, but even just like recording a podcast, like hosting a podcast, being a talk show host, having very... Critical conversations with males who may not otherwise have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And while you're recording it, you know what I mean? Like that is inevitably going to lead you somewhere, and it may not be like directly through this pod- podcast, but mm-hmm. I think that this is like without you knowing where and what and how it leads to anything is going to be a huge stepping stone for you. Yeah. It's pretty easy to see why. Yeah. Even just like from being a guest and listening. I actually haven't listened too much episodes I was a portion of the first one that you first came out with yeah but i was like thinking about it today and i would have listened to the one with nick first mm-hmm. and then i thought to myself I was like if i listen to the one with nick you know how much i like nick yeah i'm like when he talks about certain subjects i'm genuinely influenced the way i'm thinking after i've listened yeah and so i don't want to come on the podcast and then just be like influenced into kind of rehearsing the yeah, same subjects yeah, that yeah. he came on to talk about i wanted this to be kind of open and like trying to be as vulnerable from my standpoint as well and mm-hmm. uh, it's just amazing to see how you can seemingly continue to do that episode after episode yeah
0: thanks man Super I, impressive. and i uh, originally when i was doing it I, I had like a custom list of like 10 questions i was going to ask everyone and then i'm like i get i get into like one of these questions and like i hear something that they say and then i'm all over the place it's the best part about podcasts yeah and this allows me to like at least the phone call allows me to map it out a bit more you've done a really good job of like I was literally about to say, like, what's your relationship with your mom and dad like? And then you brought that into the, the previous question. I'm like, oh, my God. Such a good segue. Uh, <laughs> so
1: you,
0: you did that for, like, oh, I think most of this podcast. And it allows people to, like, think off the top of their head, like, okay, how do I want to connect this? And then they'll connect it in their own head, too. And then it just becomes easier to, like, multi, like magnify – or no, easier to – I can't think of the word right now, but map out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, like – with when i was talking with nick man he's so well spoken he's so interesting he's very captivating in in the room so much personality um and uh he made me feel very comfortable doing the podcast because he obviously has his own
1: yeah yeah he's familiar with the kind of
0: yeah like he allowed me to flow through it like he my interview with him i think was like really what taught me it put a new level of podcasting that i wanted to get to and i'm like man shit this is the third episode <laughs> like yeah, slow down a bit <laughs> maybe we shouldn't like I maybe i shouldn't be up? striving for like this far if, if like if we're already here on the third episode um but always be striving, but always be striving
1: and yeah. if you don't make it you're just failing and you can get up and yeah. you can keep going like that's just you know yeah the best people it, It's cliche again but like they fail very often yeah and that is another word that like Very structured people, I think, could look at failure as a term that's really black and white. But there's so much gray area. It's Mm -hmm. how do you look at what failure is? If I walk outside tomorrow and it's icy and I fall, that is a failed morning. (laughs) (laughs) Like that is just not the morning that you plan on having. That was a failure. But like most people, that could happen three times over the course of the winter. And if nothing bad went wrong at work and nothing happened at home that was like too negative or whatever and you know their life just kept going in a straight direction you ask them when when
0: was the last time you failed
1: they'd be like gosh i don't remember
0: yeah like what yeah i don't really think about it's weird because i i don't really remember the last time i really failed i guess but i that's your homework constantly like okay good homework but i'm constantly like learning i guess like it's on on the podcast have coming out tomorrow my friend said i don't remember the last time i had a bad day and I said, you know me either. Like, I don't have bad days because I don't think about my bad That's days. That's not how you
1: wake up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but
0: exactly. it's like the same. I think of the same in failure. Like, I don't remember my failure because I don't. I guess I just don't really. Think you choose not to failure. like remember. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah,
1: percent. And like, you yeah. shouldn't be like harping. Like, oh yeah, I failed. That was dope. You know. Like, yeah. It's just kind of one of those things. I think as you think back on, like, think a little bit more, like deeper into like. It doesn't know? have to be like a fail. Doesn't mean that like you failed the second grade. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was detrimental to then your life onward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like It's these little things that, like you said, I'm learning, like that teach you sometimes the most minute lessons, Mm -hmm. but those begin to add up. And like, you know, for entrepreneurs like Michelle Romanoff or somebody like that, those failures become a little bit more sizable in the terms of like how you're failing, but it feels like you just slipped on the ice. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, I remember I was watching in my uh, recruitment process for speakers, I was watching a C-suite executive of the Bank of America, and she was saying, like, you know, fail often and fail fast it doesn't work for us when you're when you have so many people's data, you can't afford to, like, fail like that. And so it's the same, you know, yeah, the, the more you go, you need to you still need to fail, but you can't fail on other people's, like, accounts. Mm -hmm, I guess. mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I know you're probably closing for time. I think you have a phone call coming up or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I just want to finish off with the same three questions that I, I kind of always ask these, uh, ask my, my guests, but um, what was something that your father told you growing up that really stuck with you? What is something that you wish he told you that you've now learned or, or you like kind of, you just wish he told you. And then three, what is something that you want to tell your future uh, children if you're gonna have kids or like what's kind of like that one thing you want to tell um young people
1: i i just thought of the answer for my father even though you primed me with those you, you gave me those questions yesterday um because i i'd been thinking about it and i was like you know what did my father tell me when i was younger that like i was really thankful for um and one thing i have to give tremendous credit to my dad for is he always backed up my mother even though he wasn't necessarily always in the house and maybe he was traveling and you know absent for periods of time he always always had my mother's side on things and was making sure that i was also i guess like in terms of the sentence like what would your mom say or Mm -hmm. um did your mom okay this like those kinds of like more typical things right down to like how do you think your mom would appreciate it if you said that or those types of kind of like more thought-provoking statements of like you know geez I hadn't quite thought about how she might feel if mm-hmm. I just went and did something or if I if I said this you know what I mean and I think that's a really credit like that's a credit to him because um, I think if I was to ask him now just as much as I was asking back then he knows like what a key role my mom played um, in our upbringing and really to this point in my life like right now mm-hmm. and, and actually on that note I meant to bring this up earlier like Hey, like you're so independent, you're living in Toronto and stuff like that. Like you're kind to say that, but talking about areas that I can learn to grow as well. It's just like continuing to acknowledge that I can grow as a man and like as an individual who has to live independently. This place may look relatively clean right now, but my mom was here over the weekend for like one of the first times in like six months. Yeah. So when she's here, even the things that I didn't clean before she came, she polishes those up. Like the fridge has not looked like that. Stainless steel in the oven has not looked like that. The hood there has not looked like that. Like so much about this place and not look and I can definitely make improvements there. Like Mm -hmm. doing laundry on time and things of that nature. You know what I mean? So I had to make that point because I just think it ties into like both my mom and dad were so critical to me growing up. Um but my mom was there a lot more often. And Mm -hmm. my dad, I think, really backed that up. Yeah. So that that was key. Um one thing I dish I did wish he he said to me more often, um, And it actually factors into one of the things he did say was that I could do every project on sports. And kind of on the idea that I could do anything, I think that probably was like slid in there a few of the course of Mm times when I grew up. But that wasn't something that was ingrained in me growing up. That wasn't something that I was led to believe. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes because he basically told me that you can't do every project on sports, you can't do like, you know what I mean? Like you can't orient everything that you're doing to what you're most passionate about is mm-hmm. kind of like the overarching subject. Um, and I think it took me a long time to get over that um, to the point where like now, like, you know, pretty much everything I'm doing bridges on sports somewhere or another, yeah. but I'm super passionate about what I'm doing um, and I'm happy. Yeah. I think that that's the biggest thing. Uh, and like just growing in business or those types of things that you can kind of look up to from afar aren't always gonna make you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you gotta be careful about how wrapped up you get in that stuff. Um, and then one of the things that you know I would tell my kid is like literally I wanna make it a household where you can do anything and you can do what you love mm-hmm. for a living. Because I think that if ingrained and if constantly preached and shown in different ways over the course of time, can really lead somebody into like a magnificent life that many you know, few people would think is possible. Um, but that just leads from a point of happiness
0: and love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's dope, man. I think, uh, you know, as I close my episodes now, I'm, I'm trying to like give like words of affirmation, like like vulnerable moments to the guys I'm sitting across from. And I, I really value a lot of the things that you brought up in this episode. I think um, you were really vulnerable with both your relationship with your parents and that divorce and how that kind of shaped you. Um, even just like while you were sitting here, I could see the way your mind works and how much you just you wanted to share with me, like the the, the truth, the authentic side of it. Um, I was trying, listeners. Yeah, how much you know you you really value your relationship with Lena, like Lena, if you're listening. I I can tell from just being across from this man that he really cares about you. And um, yeah, I, I know it's not easy to be on this on this like on this kind of podcast where you're really sharing a lot of your vulnerabilities and um, it's something that I still have to get over and it's something I'm still learning as well and, and how to approach it and especially when you look at like social media every day you see people getting canceled for some of the shit they're saying like 10 years ago and uh, I, I know like I'll back myself up and I'll back whoever's on my show up um, and it's, it's really hard for men to do this and if we want people to grow Uh, and we want society to grow there has to be platforms like this to that allow it to happen (laughs) totally um but yeah I just I really think you shared a lot of vulnerable things and and talk through some of the the experiences that you've had with you know your relationship and your family and I I don't think that's easy and I don't think um, it's always I know it's hard um, to do it, and I really value that, and I thank you for taking your time out to do this, especially as you've quintupled your work, um, <laughs> with the uh, purchasing of of uh, social rank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, man, thanks so much for coming out, and I uh, appreciate you doing this in your in your house, and I love you. Love you too,
1: Luke Yeah. Pleasure. Thanks for having these conversations.
0: Yeah. Anytime.